0: And welcome to episode 77 of My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. Uh, I'm Richard McKinnon, and I'm back again with Pilar Ortiz. Pilar, how are you doing today?
1: I am well. Was there a small hesitation in who you were? <laughs> when you introduced yourself
0: (laughs) just for, for just to be completely transparent with our listeners i've spent the last 25 minutes wrestling with some technical challenges here before we could start and all the kind of stuff that you know microphone webcam connections so yeah slightly flustered but that's fine that's fine these things are sent to to try us um how are you doing?
1: Yes, I'm really well. Uh, I, I've just done another recording also, so I'm a little bit pumped up. So I hope I'm not too much for the listeners. Um, yeah, do you want me to tell you about my adventure yesterday?
0: Let's start with your adventure, because I'm really um, keen to hear, because I saw a mention on the note. I have no idea what it means. Fire <laughs> yes. away.
1: I mean, it's not too exciting but it was for me because i went into soho i went into central london yesterday to do a studio recording so and it really right. was yeah and i realized when i got there i thought wow i haven't really left my neighborhood much recently and um it I went, uh, I could have not taken the job, but I thought, you know what, I really need to just go somewhere, do something completely different, do something where I'm looked after, because voiceover work, you just go in, you plonk yourself in front of the microphone and that's it, and you read what you're told to, (laughs) so it's really easy. But it was really interesting to, to just feel the different energies also over there, so I went down Oxford Street, and there were not too many people, especially for the time of year, but there were quite some people. But. Soho, the center was so quiet, really, really Mm. empty and so eerie. Uh, But uh, yeah, I just thought it it was, well, I just thought I'd share it with with you because it's all about, yeah, the the difference. Um, Yeah, it it was interesting.
0: And, and we're, we're talking about working from home. And, and I think that's a really interesting thing. Once you've been doing this for quite some time to go and work somewhere else, you notice the differences. And, and especially right now in December 2020, when, um, there's still a lot of restrictions on where we can go and what we can do. Everywhere feels a bit weird, um, hmm. to add to the weirdness of, being back in a different workplace. Yeah, well, thank, thanks for sharing that. Um I've been working in a few different places, all equally weird, so <laughs> nothing to really share there. I think we said it before, Pilar, you and I are, are very used to working uh, from home and have been for a while, so we've got our, our way of doing things, but everyone's experiencing it a little bit differently this mm. year because of what's going on. So, listeners, if if you um, listened to us last time around, we were introducing this new series of episodes all about working from home and sort of the rationale for why it's important to look at this. And, you know, to to be really um, clear about it, this is about sort of drawing a line in the sand and looking forward to doing working from home in a more sustainable way, in a healthier way, and maybe getting out of panic mode, uh, out of emergency mode. And I'm really conscious that for many people, they are working from home in less than ideal situation. And I'm going to talk about some principles as we go through these episodes. And, and some of them mightn't be possible for everyone, and I'm really aware of that. But this is the, you know, the advice from the experts around these different topics. And so look at these as a menu, if you like, that you could select from. Uh, rather than feeling you have to do all of these things. My goal here is not to make anyone feel worse, but to maybe provide a little bit of insight as to small changes they could make to improve the experience of working from home. I hope that makes
1: sense. Yes, it does completely.
0: Before we get into this, though, I wanted to share a little story that I came across uh, from Japan, because obviously this is one thing that connects us all at the moment, the disruption to our way of working. And I came across a great story about the Narita Express train. And if you haven't heard of that, that that's kind of the equivalent of, say, the Heathrow Express or the Gatwick Express train it goes out to Narita Airport um, into the center of, of Tokyo. And obviously, not a lot of people are flying. So there's fewer flights, there's fewer people going out to the airport. So the train company uh, did something quite interesting, which was to run the trains, but as a sort of a moving office for people who wanted to get a change from working at home. And I thought this was absolutely delightful. I'll share the link to the story in in the show notes, but it's innovative. It's a good use of the rolling stock that was there anyway. And it just reflects that it, you know, the Narita Express is not being used to go out to the airport The size of the typical home in Tokyo is really quite small compared to what we're used to here in the UK. And so many people will just want to get a break from those four walls. What better way to do it than to look out the window of a moving train while you've got Wi-Fi, while you've got uh, a nice table in front of you? I just thought it was a lovely idea.
1: I think it's brilliant. While many people are getting away from their commutes... (laughs) Yes. That, that there's the offering of going on a train, but of course that experience is nothing like a commute. Also, uh, and the, the the picture, if if it's anything like, well, what the experience might be like, just all that green, and I can just imagine sometimes what's really nice about the trains is that you go through fields or whatever, um, and and just that feeling sometimes is just just getting on something that's moving at a different speed to what you're used to um, allows you to leave stuff behind. So it's quite a nice break. I love the idea. I think it's so creative.
0: I I think there's also something there about, I mean, to be honest, it does take a little while before you see green fields when you're, you're traveling out of Tokyo, but, (laughs) but, but, well, I mean, you, you, have parks and et cetera, but I think one of the things that brings a sense of normality to it is the return to a train station and going Mm. through the barriers and seeing the shops and, dressing for work, you know, and getting on a train, this is sort of a replication of um, what was. Uh, And for some people, this would be really interesting, because if they're commuters, they won't be used to getting on the Narita Express. It's quite a different train. So anyway, I I think it's a really nice insight into how different organizations are responding to this and recognizing that people who are working from home, maybe for the first time, maybe you're looking for a bit of variety in their environment. (music) So today, when we're looking at working from home, we're looking at one aspect of it in particular, which is maintaining and possibly even improving your physical well-being. Now, when we talk about well-being, uh, we're not talking about just the absence of illness, the, the absence of feeling awful. We're trying to emphasize a more joined up view of well-being, about flourishing, you know, being your best self. And uh, a really important building block of this is, is how we do our jobs and when we have to move to work from home there's a big shift in that so there's every likelihood that the physical aspects of us and our well-being in general could be impacted so it's worth looking at that and over this series we're going to look at these physical aspects today we're going to look at psychological well-being we're going to look at social well-being and contact with others and relationships we're going to look at productivity and we're going to look at the role of leisure and rest and recovery and so on but um I want to point out now, there might be a little bit of repetition over the next five or six episodes. Some of the um, recommendations might pop up more than once. And that's because these different aspects of us are interlinked. We are creating different episodes because it's far too much to cover in one podcast episode. We'd lose you all. After the first hour, I think, it's fair to say. After
1: the first hour. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. well, you know, we've got a lot to cover here. And actually, there's some very simple recommendations that are easy to lose sight of. And the good news is they can impact our physical well-being, our social contact, our psychological well-being. So there will be a bit of that. And as I said, I'd like everyone to look at this as a bit of a menu that they can select from and try out some of these things. So physical well-being is... It's funny, that the working from home aspects and thinking about our physical selves sometimes gets neglected when we talk about it, especially when psychologists talk about it. Our focus is really often on um, what's going on in our minds and our sense of happiness. And some of those um, things like concentration and focus and productivity. But it's really important not to neglect the physical because our mind is encased in a physical being and whatever happens to that physical being will have an impact on all of those other aspects. And so um, with a big change, moving to working from home, when that's sudden and unplanned, or even if it's the planned, adjusted, uh, supported move to working from home that we'd love to see more of next year, there are some risks associated with that. And I, and I think this is about drawing people's attention to what they might need to do differently now that they're in a different context. And And to me, when I talk about this with my clients, I say this is just a little bit like stepping back and looking up and see what's different about your environment and therefore look at what you need to do differently because of that environment. And they could be such small things and we'll work through some of those today. But does does that sound okay so far, Pilar?
1: Yeah, completely, especially the small things we can start doing um, because, yeah, small is always good to start with.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And as I say, I don't want to overload or make anyone feel guilty. So, well, I mean, some of the things that that uh, represent risks for us when we're working from home. Um, first of all, you know, it can be viewed as a positive. We can get really engaged with our work. Uh, we've got maybe fewer people or no people around us interrupting us. Uh, we've got no meetings to go to maybe. And then we get really absorbed and then we forget to take breaks and potentially skip meals. And of course, if we don't take breaks and if we're skipping meals, that's gonna have an impact on our ability to focus, to concentrate and make good quality decisions, lends itself to, to overall fatigue. Um, and, and it can lead to kind of snap decisions. It can lead to emotional outbursts. I think everyone knows what it's like to feel hangry from time to time if you've, if you skip meals. So even things like that, really, really basic things like remembering to take a break, remembering to, to eat and to stay hydrated. Another big risk, um, and I'm going to link to uh, some really good resources from the health and safety executive here in the UK, because another big risk when working from home are musculos- musculoskeletal disorders, the aches and pains, uh, things that people might think of like repetitive strain injury. When we uh, have a very stationary pose for a long period of time, that will really increase those risks. And... We can find ourselves being a lot more stationary, a lot more sedentary uh, when we're not in a workplace where we might be moving around an awful lot more. And this is the first thing I'd like everyone to think of. If you're working from home now, or if you're planning to work from home in the near future, think about the difference between your daily routine when you commute to a physical shared workspace and when you work at home. There's an awful lot less movement, you know, there's there's an awful lot less. Making your way to the workplace, moving around that workplace, standing up and going to physical meetings, standing up and getting a coffee, walking to get some lunch. So you can see where I'm going here. Even that difference that in physical context means that we might see quite a big difference in the amount of moving around that we do. And then another big risk here, and related to, to the musculoskeletal side of things, is having a, an inappropriate workstation setup. We mightn't appreciate just how ergonomic uh, our state, our, our workstation setup is in a workplace until we have to survive without those key pieces of equipment. And, and on that note, I just want to point out there's a big difference between writing an email with a twelve-inch screen laptop on your lap on a train uh, when you're on a thirty-minute journey and trying to do the same thing for eight hours straight you know the laptops are great for that dipping in and out of things but without some adjustments we could end up with some um at a at a small level some aches and pains and at a much more serious level the kind of musculoskeletal problems that that can be with us for some time pilar you're really familiar with with working from home i've i've kind of flagged a few scary risks there anything else you can think of from the physical moving around physical well-being side of things that are risks
1: I think also the fact that if you're working with other people, sometimes you move your head a bit to turn around and look around, or uh, you might swivel in your chair or or just not even getting up, but actually just moving the spine a little bit as you engage with the environment. Whereas if nothing is, especially if you're in a quiet home and nothing is happening around you, there's that stiffness that will creep up around the neck and around the shoulders just because you are completely staring at the same Mm -hmm. space. Um, and stuff that I've heard recommend to to deal with that is things like, um, well, if you have a wonderful standing desk that you can shift up and down a little bit, not really going from sitting to standing, but just shift it a bit so that the neck is just, the head is just at a slightly different angle, just by a few degrees. Um, and I think that that I forget to do that, but, but it does make a difference. I do notice myself sometimes when I go, ooh, let me just shift the computer the screen a little bit further down Um, and if you don't have that kind of desk sometimes it's just a question of don't let any health and safety people hear me or maybe putting uh, putting a a book for some time uh, under your screen so that it's lifted a bit or changing your your chair height or something
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, You're just trying to avoid staying in one position for a very long period of time. And it's amazing to me how we get the visual cues and reminders from people around us through their movement Mm. when we're in a shared space. And if we find ourselves at home in a different space, maybe not working with other people, we don't get those visual cues. So what we're going to do is look at some of the things that I'd like people to think about doing but I'd like to look at three different groups here so that depending on who you are listener you might find a few things to take away here but I want to talk to the individual employee. I also want to talk to people who lead teams, manage people and then talk a little bit about the organizational perspective uh, as we go through this and there's something to take away for everyone here I think but a great place to to start is on the small habits. when you look at what the health and safety executive recommends when it comes to uh, the, the risks for home workers, taking breaks is, is really up there in the top of the list. So they recommend taking a break at least five minutes every hour. And you know, that doesn't sound extortionate to ask people to do, but it's very easy for that to get um, made impossible by back-to-back, back-to-back, back-to-back video calls. So we'll come back to that in a minute, but it, you know you can use a timer, uh, a kitchen timer. You could use your smartphone just to remind you at 5 to or 10 to the hour to take a break. And it's not just taking a break from work. It's taking a break from screens to avoid eye strain. It's taking a break from a fixed uh, stationary, uh, sedentary position. Um, and it's taking a break also from from work to potentially move Maybe get a glass of water to help with the hydration. But, you know, staying sedentary in a fixed position, and especially when you're using a computer, that will add up and cause strain in in no time at all, actually. Another uh, aspect here is to think about how you can build exercise into your routine. And And a really positive thing coming out from this year has been people working from home feeding back that they really love the flexibility of not having to commute, because it gives them an opportunity to exercise um, in a way that was really difficult when they had all of that time on buses and trains and so on. The real risk is that you, you use that time after a while to do more work. And then we need to build exercise once again in to the routine. So one of the ways that I explore with my clients is just simply building the habit of a daily walk in in some way, shape, or form, getting a walk in to the, to the routine so it becomes habitual. Now, we talked about this a lot on a previous episode when we had Professor Shane O'Mara on talking about his research and, and his book into the uh, the power of simply walking. So when we talk about exercise, it can be super simple. It doesn't require money. doesn't require equipment. It just requires us to move around. And, um, and doubly, the, the benefits of getting outside, getting some fresh air, getting some sunlight.
1: I'm also thinking if, if we can't do that for whatever reason, if we're not able to go for a walk, maybe even just some stretches to uh, just, especially at the beginning of the day, to just get everything moving before you sit down and get everything stiff again. So Absolutely. I think that if, if depending on what we can do, it's really, what is it about? It's about getting the body moving a bit. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. and, and also, yeah, if you can get fresh air, that's also, yeah, great.
0: I mean, more and more people I'm talking to are um, using their phone calls as an opportunity to to go walking about the place and have phone calls on the move. Um, it's not visual. No one need know where you are. And whether they're walking around their house or their own garden or they're just walking up and down the street, they they find that a really useful way to break up that day from being seated in front of a screen um, with a earphone in your ear and a keyboard under your fingers. So anything to break it up, no hard and fast rules here, but just to pay attention to it in the first place so you can notice how your body feels and how it potentially feels better once you've done some of that movement.
1: Um I'm going to pick up, Richard, what you're saying about the phone, because I think that because uh, uh, video conferencing has become so accessible and, and so popular as well, I found myself having more video meetings than usual. And mm-hmm. I've moved, when I've had a one-to-ones, uh, so if I was just talking to one other person, I've often asked if we could just have it by phone. And I had someone be so grateful to me one day, it's like, mm-hmm. this is so good. And I would find... and. Being on the phone allows you, especially if you've got hands free, um, it allows you to move a lot more. And then you can yeah, then you can do whatever you need to do. And also the, the body is just freer. So I think that for local or whatever, uh, I think audio only in one-to-ones is, uh, I think it might be coming back soon.
0: <laughs> I, I think so too, for, for exactly those same reasons. And if you remember what Shane had to say during that, that discussion about the benefits of walking for our creativity and problem solving. Mm. You know, it could be a great addition to a phone call with someone, you know, um, to 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 take it for a walk. So think think creatively there um, and to see how much movement you can get in. Um, And of course, if you are someone that tracks your movement using, you know, a a Fitbit or an Apple Watch or something similar, there's lots of them out there. um, That's another way to notice. Have I been moving around much today? What does that number say today? There's another aspect of our, our physical well-being that a lot of people have been talking about this year, and that's our diet. Um, let's let's put lockdown aside, maybe when a lot of us were engaging in comfort eating. Um, we were we were coping with the restrictions on our movement by eating for pleasure. But it's very easy for our diet to change an awful lot when we're at home all the time. And that goes in both directions. We can find ourselves snacking a lot because we're potentially an arm's length from the fridge and it's just there. Or we can find ourselves uh, eating less because um, we, we don't have the people around us maybe taking a break or a lunch break to remind us it's time for lunch and before we know it, we've skipped it, we've maybe skipped breakfast and lunch. So I'm not a dietitian, so I'm not going to tell people what they should eat, but I would ask what would you normally eat if you were in the office? And why would you want to eat something really quite different to that when you're at home? Um, if if you're a, a simple sandwich and a cup of tea person, why wouldn't you do that at home? And especially if you're moving less and getting less exercise, is now the time to reward yourselves uh, from with, with uh, all those treats from the fridge. Um, I, I think someone who's been working from home for a while. I've definitely gone through that phase and I've come out the other side because I've realized it's a slippery slope for me and I'll just keep going to the fridge to get something. I don't know. Are you more disciplined than me, Pilar?
1: I am. I am. <laughs> Good. <I've>, yes, I, <laughs> I, I I have a very small breakfast because I've noticed that actually it doesn't matter how much I eat when I get up. I always, I'm always i always hungry mid-morning. So I have my proper cereal uh breakfast, mid-morning. have lunch almost at the same time every day. Uh, I, I even used to have it at home when I, I prefer to eat at home than in the co-working. And then I might have something in the afternoon and then dinner. I, I don't snack. I only snack when I'm really hungry. As in, I'm, if I'm, yeah, like mid-afternoon, I'll, there'll be a time when I need to eat something and yeah, I might eat crisps or whatever. But it's it's very, I have five touch points with my food throughout the day.
0: That is very disciplined. Uh, that is
1: yeah. <laughs> that yeah. is great
0: to hear. Yeah, and it's, it's really good because it's something that we can build up an unhelpful relationship with. And before we know it, we're unhappy with how uh, we feel and, and look and what we're eating and so on. So again, I'm not going to say eat this, don't eat this, but be mindful about it. And yeah. why should it need to change significantly just because you're at home? In fact, if anything, you could eat better because oh, yeah. you have 100% choice over what you eat whereas if you're in a a workplace where maybe there's a canteen and maybe there are fewer healthy options now you've got more choice um so it's about eating regularly and eating what you think is good for you
1: and that's as simple
0: as that mindfully absolutely A, a lot of people this year still focusing on our physical health have found that their sleep has been really disrupted by lots of things going on, you know, the anxiety of a global pandemic, the disruption of lockdown, the uncertainty of what's happening, uh, working from home being an unusual change for them. So as an ongoing uh, point, it's really important for us to get enough good quality sleep. And this is a topic that's coming up a lot this year for me with my clients. I've been running uh, my Healthy Sleep Habits webinar many times this year um, to help people get a bit of an insight into why sleep is disrupted and what we can do about it and the importance of sleep. It's a really interesting thing we touched on. And I, you maybe have the number in front of you, PLRs, as <sighs> normal. But when we talked about sleep way, way, way back in this podcast series, you know, there was a there was a theme of almost... Alpha male, I only sleep five hours, it's all I need. Or, well, I only sleep four hours because, you know, I want to be up and at them. And what I would really want to cultivate among our listeners is an appreciation that sleep is an investment in your well-being. And getting enough sleep for you, enough good quality sleep, will help you have the best possible day the next day, rather than um, sort of stealing from our sleep, creating a sleep debt which will only impair our ability to do a great job and be the person we want to be the next day. It can feel difficult when we've had an awful lot of change. So some general principles, because there's no one size fits all, but some some general principles that I cover off on the webinar, um, have a wind down period in the evening. You know, set a set a timer for yourself that reminds you, it's 90 minutes before I want to be asleep. Let me make sure I'm relaxing, I'm turning down the lights, I'm getting into prep for bed mode and and that's important so that we 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 don't get to a point where we're maybe working late or we're doing something we go oh i want to be asleep in five minutes our bodies our brains don't work that way and they will not switch off in just five minutes minimizing our screen use in the run up to bed is useful regardless of whether it's for work or for for leisure and and i think this is a real problem that we face in the 21st century that a lot of what we do as leisure if someone from 1950 came and joined us in the room, it, well, they would think that we were still working. <laughs> <because> <laughs> we're looking at a screen, we're poking at a screen, we're maybe watching the screen of a laptop, we're playing with a phone. Now we might be doing it, we might be on social media, we might be messaging a friend uh, abroad, but we're using those devices in, in just the same way. So think how you can mindfully avoid un, unneeded Unnecessary screen use, especially in the run-up to bed, and try, if at all possible, keep those devices out of the bedroom, so that you're not tempted to open a really bright screen, um, which is the last thing your brain needs when it's trying to get you to get into into sleep mode. So keep the devices um, out of the bedroom and keep the work out of the bedroom as well. Now we're going to come back to that point when we look at boundaries later in this series, but as a general point, try not to do work from home in your bed, in your bedroom.
1: Yeah.
0: And, and that this point about bed and sleep and getting enough of it, what I don't want to do is cause anxiety in anyone. And, and that's the last thing we want is to be anxious about our sleep because that really will impair our sleep. But if you're worried about how much sleep you're getting or you're concerned that your sleep has been impacted, there's so many reasons, so many normal expected reasons uh, that that could be down to. I've mentioned a load of them, but if you're still concerned about, you know, what's happening to your sleep, have a chat with your GP. Uh, The the, the amazing thing about sleep is how we're learning so much more about it all the time. And sleep disturbance can be an indication of so many different things. But notice it, don't worry about it, and see what you can do to find a schedule that really works for you. Because what works for me may certainly not work for you. And I'm not going to tell you what works for me. I know I'm not the comparator here, but I do want people to consider sleep is such an important investment to remain healthy, well-focused, productive, all those things you want to be. Um, It sounds boring, right? And people sometimes groan when I talk about how is your sleep um, when they're talking about stress and pressure. But but actually, you know, if we could get a handle on that and get into good habits around sleep, um, it can really impact lots of other things in a positive way.
1: It's so important. Episode 18.
0: Thank (laughs) you, Pilar. From
1: 13th of June, 2018. Yeah, it's really important. That Um, was a
0: different world, wasn't it? It was. (laughs) And I remember
1: it very well because in that episode, I told you how wonderfully I slept. And then I never slept as well since then. Oh, no. (laughs) So probably I'll start snacking soon after an earlier conversation. Um,
0: It's something that um, definitely under lockdown in the early days, many people found themselves working and working and working in the evening because they found they couldn't do anything else. A lot of their social channels were cut off. Now, if we can view 2021 as potentially being different in that regard, it's as important then to understand what am I going to do with my evening when I'm not working? And how am I going to do that with intent and really get stuck into my personal life so that work doesn't unintentionally bleed into it? And as a result, impact my ability to switch off, relax, and then eventually sleep. So, we are going to come back to that theme the role of leisure, um, hobbies, and recovery from work, especially for home workers. Something that, uh, again, just because of the changing context, is hydration levels. So many people will drink more. Uh, when they are in the shared work environment, just because of the visual cues around them, people getting up to refill their water bottle or their glass, and the, the shared water fountains and the ability to get water really easily. It's there. It's something that people do. Once we're out of that context, those reminders are gone. And so it's very easy to just consume less water. So maybe you can combine this and make it easy for yourself that when you take your break from a seated position and you do some stretching and you move around that's the reminder as well to have a look at your glass and see if it needs topping up or maybe it just needs consuming um and, and this isn't uh, some airy-fairy thing if we're if we're not hydrated again that will impact our ability to concentrate um to 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 make good decisions to to solve problems you know, it really does have an impact on us so be mindful of that as well we're still talking to what individuals can do here, but this final point really intersects with organizational support and managerial support. And, and that really is this point about an ergonomic and safe setup of the, the ongoing workstation. And the workstation is wherever you're going to do your work. And I'm, I'm talking about people who will predominantly be using a computer to do a lot of their job, whatever that job is. And if you think about an office environment, you've got Professional desks, professional chairs, maybe height adjustable monitors, um, keyboards that are a full size, Uh, not in every environment. I'm, I'm really conscious of that, but the best will have those adjustable things there. And most homes do not have adjustable anything really. We buy furniture because it looks nice. We don't buy it because it's height adjustable and it's ergonomic. Mm -hmm. And that's where the problem creeps in. um, Because we're trying to do the same activities, but we're not doing them with the Mm -hmm. physical support that we're used to. So a very important point is that small, light, and amazingly um, portable laptops aren't a long-term solution unless we adjust them. And a very basic thing here is to ensure that if you're going to be sitting in front of a laptop for any length of time, that it is raised. It's on a stand or it's on a pile of large books or magazines or something so that you are not looking down at the screen. And the way that this was brought home to me um, when I was studying ergonomics many, many years ago was to consider the weight of the average human head. I'm going to ask our listeners to go and have a look at that online, (laughs) because it will astound you just how heavy the average human head is. And you're keeping that up with the muscles in your neck and your upper back. So if you're not um, in a neutral posture, you're putting strain on aspects of your neck and your back and your shoulders. And that will manifest after a while as the aches and pains. So we want to head that off at the pass and make sure we've got an external mouse pointing device, an external keyboard, and we're using the laptop's screen as more of a monitor. Now, th- this sounds easy from my perspective, but we, we need the organizational support for that to be put in place. And many people I've been dealing with this year will have been given a monitor, maybe even a second monitor to put alongside it if they use you know these really big screens. They're given this equipment, but it might not be something that your employer has thought about yet. So it's worth having the conversation. And if needs be, get this yourself. um, A mouse and uh, a keyboard is not a massive expenditure these days. They're almost, um, dare I say, disposable at this stage. And if it's between spending a few pounds on a keyboard and a mouse um, and long-term neck pain, I know what I would rather do. But start with your employer and have that chat about what you need. And this isn't me. This is the health and safety executive talking about their guidelines for both the duty of care that an employer has for home workers, and also just the physical nature of how our bodies work and what's going to cause us problems. And we come back to our point about being aware of your posture, getting breaks from a screen and not looking at another screen, no screen full stop for a period of time. Now, you know, if you're moving around in the office, you're going to do that naturally, you're going to look up, you're going to look in the distance, you're going to look left and right. If you don't, have that movement at home, you may not be moving your eyes as much as well. So remember to look away from your screen into the distance and into the near field so you can avoid that, uh, that eye strain as well. And consider what you're sitting on. So many people, here's, here's a great example. If you look on social media for working from home imagery, So much of it is people lying on the sofa. So Mm. much of it is people lying in bed. I mean, they're all smiling and they're all living their best lives with a, you know, a frappuccino or a smoothie or something, but you rarely see people in an ergonomic, healthy, um, pose. So we're trying to replicate. The, the work environment here. And you, know, you and I, Pilar, talked about not replicating the physical work environment from a communications point uh, on a previous episode. That still holds. I'm talking about replicating the healthiness of your physical work setup so that you don't inadvertently cause yourself some physical problems over the longer term. Does I that make that, sense?
1: Yeah. And the point about eyesight, not, not just about screens, but for example, on um, my... So my desk at home, I'm facing a wall. So what mm-hmm. I've got straight behind the, the screen is a wall. Luckily, I have a window to the right. So I can actually every now and then I'll look out of the window so my eyes look further out. But I imagine the, that some people might be experiencing that kind of difference from being maybe in an open space or an open office to being in a corner uh, and, and, or, yeah. or, or, or walls where there's less of that. And so getting the eyes to exercise in that way by changing the distance at which you're looking as well, I think is quite important.
0: It's a huge part of the difference we experience when working from home. If you just think about how well lit most workplaces are, maybe overlit, you might argue, but they're unrelenting light everywhere. That most people's homes, they're not lit like a mortuary, you know, (laughs) they're lit uh, in a a soft way. So, again, ensuring that you've got sufficient light that you're not squinting, um, you're not damaging your eyesight. Um, So, This is the other thing. We'll talk about it when we look at boundaries, but this setup also needs to be flexible. Unless you're lucky enough to have a study or a spare room that you can set up this way, it's also important that you can put it away again at the end of the day. So think about that as part of your, your your setup. So for the individual, we're talking about taking breaks, moving around, eating and drinking regularly and normally and mindfully, uh, making sleep a priority, and making sure that your, your workstation setup is one that's not going to add to your problems. It's going to be as neutral as possible. So what, what about managers? What about team leaders? Something we'll talk about at a later date is what managers could conceivably do in terms of uh, team atmosphere and trust and staying in touch with people and all of the social aspect of this. But a, a very simple thing managers can do when being mindful of people's physical health and working from home is just make sure they've got all the equipment they need. Ask them, um, uh, make it clear to them that it's possible to purchase more equipment so that they can work healthily, and ask them about their workstation setup. And if you've got the the colleagues in HR or in your health and safety department to share the information about what a good, uh, neutral, healthy workstation setup looks like, and be really clear what people are entitled to, and um, you know make sure that they they understand that this is part of doing a good job, and it's part of your duty of care. So have that conversation really, really early on. And don't treat these things as a luxury. Unfortunately, I've come across that a few times where, you know, aren't you lucky you're getting a monitor? Well, you want me to do the job, and this Mm. comes with the job, so don't really treat it like I'm getting a great break here. And on that note, unintentional, but breaks. It's really important that managers role model what we've just been talking about. So not only take the breaks, But maybe signpost to your team that you're taking a break. Let them know, I needed some fresh air, I'm going for a quick walk, or I'm away from my desk right now, but I have my phone, I just don't want to sit down all day. Or, as you said earlier, PLR, maybe could we do this on the phone rather than another video call, uh, because I'm trying to break up the amount of time I spend in front of the screen. All normal, all really acceptable, but very powerful when it comes from your manager. And not only talking about it, but but following through on that. I think that's really important and it gives people uh, a certain license to follow through on that. Something that managers have a lot of influence over, if not control, is the scheduling of meetings and maybe introducing ways of working that avoid back-to-back video meetings uh, when the video component isn't necessarily required and maybe exploring ways of scheduling meetings where they don't end uh, one minute before the next one starts. So exploring 30-minute slots, 40-minute slots and uh, questioning the needs for meetings because, as Pilar, you made the point very eloquently before, Often that can be a bit of a sign of replicating the work environment socially, so that we can see people at work. When in fact, if they're in the meeting, they're not doing the work, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, you could argue that the meetings are the work, <laughs> but it's uh, but it, it doesn't. At some point, it stop you stop being productive.
0: Especially if you have seven hours of these meetings, yeah. and then you're facing your to do list or your email yeah. inbox or whatever it is. So just think about them. Uh, there's no there's no perfect answer to this, but maybe question them and um, make sure that you can use your seniority to have an influence on that that situation. And you know all of these things that I've been talking about, uh, it's great for managers to instigate the conversation. Because you're, you're saying, I think this is as important as your timekeeping, your productivity, your staying in touch. I think it's important that you remain healthy and well. And uh, I want to talk to you about what you need to remain healthy and well while you're working from home. The bottom line is the employer still has a duty of care. And uh, it's an interesting overlap um, in terms of there's a specific category of employee um, from the health and safety executive perspective as well when they're working alone there's specific guidance for employees working alone. Now, they may not be at home. They could be, for example, a security guard who's working alone um, at a, a, I don't know, a postal depot at night or something, as specific requirements to look after their well-being. But if an employee is working at home, uh, in a sense, they're working alone and leaders of organizations need to do their best to ensure that the communication lines are open so that isolation doesn't creep in. And these employees don't feel alone. When they're physically separate, they don't need to be socially separate from everyone else at work. A lot on managers' plates. I'm really conscious of that, and I always seem to be adding to it. But if we think about the bigger picture here, it means that you will have healthy, happy employees, and um, you won't have to deal with the problems down the line that can creep in when physical health suffers because of work and the work setup.
1: In a way, if you look, uh, you could also think, well, you've got to, uh, it's good to role model some of these habits. So, mm-hmm. in doing that, you need to look after yourself. So, if you look after yourself, then you can role model great behaviors. So it's a great incentive for those people who struggle a bit more just to say, okay, yeah, yeah, I, I've got to do all these things, but I never seem to do them. Okay, well, look, this is also having an impact on the team because if you're not role modeling this, um, this might not be happening. So I think it's an extra incentive to to look after ourselves if we're looking after other people.
0: I, absolutely. And we're talking about small things as mm-hmm, well. Yeah. We're not talking about massive, massive changes. I, I've, just one final point from the organizational perspective. If you're running an organization or sufficiently senior that you own budget, I think you know the m- most important thing you can do is ensure that managers are empowered to get people the um, appropriate workstation equipment to work effectively from home. That training is made available for people so they can understand how to thrive when working from home and it doesn't detract from their well-being in any way. And that working from home and everything that it implies is is part of how you do things in the organization so it's reflected in the manager's skill set and how people are developed it's reflected in communication and how you um involve people when they're not in the same space um so it, it's not just a either or or we have to do this because of i think many people downplay all of the change it can bring but we're talking today just about the physical well-being part, which is really important. But if you can put the money behind this, you'll make sure that people can take advantage of these things and it won't have the uh, the potential negative impact that's out there. So, quite a bit to think about there and hopefully now listeners you're a still with us and b agree <laughs> with me it was a good idea to split this up yes. into several different episodes i'd love to hear from you what are you doing to look after your physical well-being uh we will look at psychological well-being uh, next time around. But physical or psychological well-being, how are you looking after yourself while you're working from home? Maybe there's things that I know for a fact there's things I've not mentioned today that work for you. We'd love to hear your examples. Uh, we'd love to hear how you've made it work for you. And maybe if you've decided to try any of the things we've, we've spoken about today, let us know how those experiments go for you. All I want to do is get the principles in front of people so they can they can make some changes and they can uh, see what difference it makes for them. You can contact us on Twitter at MyPocketPsych or send us a longer message. And I love getting those um, via the contact form on our website. And you can find that at WorkLifePsych.com contact. Pilar, we've come to the end of another episode. But as always, before we press stop, anything you want to throw in on this topic of working from home and, you know, maintaining your well-being?
1: Only look after yourselves, listeners.
0: That's a lovely end to that. Thank you. Everyone, as ever, thanks for listening. Well, there we are. Another episode finished. (laughs) Thank you for joining us once again. And please, if you have questions or comments about anything we've discussed this time around, get in touch. We'd love to hear from our listeners. You can send us a message on uh, Twitter, at mypocketpsych, or send us a longer message via the contact form on the website. And that's at com slash contact. Thanks for listening.